Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest today is Whitney Elkins Hutton, is the Director of Investor Education at PassiveInvesting.com. Whitney is also host of the Passive Investing Made Simple YouTube show and podcast and a partner in over $800 million in real estate, including over 6,500 6, residential units and assisted living, seven express car washes, and more than 2,200 self-storage units across 11 states. And on top of all that, she's got experience in flipping over $5 million in residential real estate. Whitney stumbled into real estate by accident. After purchasing her first rental in 2002 and hitting a home run, then nearly losing it all on her second deal, she took control and figured out how to invest in real estate the right way. She realized that success must leave clues. So she studied and replicated the very personal finance and wealth creation strategies the wealthy use to create financial freedom. Whitney wholeheartedly believes that she's living proof of just how successful anyone can be in real estate investing. All it takes is knowledge, a plan, and some grit. When she's not out scouting a new deal or meeting with clients, she enjoys trail running, mountain biking, camping, and spending time with her family. Whitney and her husband, daughter, and Rottweiler live in and work in Boulder, Colorado. And just for the fun of it, I got some fun facts on her. She served as an epidemiologist for the CDC bioterrorism grant post in 9-11, training doctors and nurses how to isolate, treat, and treat smallpox and anthrax cases. She runs high-altitude half marathons just for fun, and she earned a PhD in community health and nutrition before, before realizing she wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I'm very fortunate to be able to have her carve out time for our listeners today to share a little bit about her story. Welcome, Whitney, to the show. Thank you so much, Rich. Yeah, what a, what a great background. Fun, it was fun to read and put together, and I'm really looking forward to this call today. So Whitney... Um, Everybody really likes to know you're an entrepreneur, successful. Um, everybody likes to hear the story. How, you know, how did you become an entrepreneur? How did you pick real estate? You have obviously have a very, very diverse background. Um, how did you do it? Why did you do it? Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Well, so my real estate journey actually begins in 2002. I purchased a house with a significant other and uh, the relationship fell apart about a month later. And uh, I had a house all under my name, all the expenses, everything. And, uh, you know, I was in my mid twenties and anyways, long story short, I panicked a little bit, you know, I'm like, how am I going to pay the bills, you know, I'll pay everything off of one income. So I stepped up full of roommates and completed a rehab on the property, uh, quite literally using the home Depot, one, two, three book, YouTube didn't exist back then. <laughs> and also trading, um, you know, paying my friends and beer and pizza and sushi to help me, you know, you know, stand drywall, <laughs> like float drywall and do electrical and plumbing. Some things we shouldn't have done. Some things, you know, I had to, you know, hire out professional help and redo. But, it, you know, 11 months later, I sold the property and I made more in that transaction with the sale than I did all year with my job. And trust me, I loved my job. That was 
you know, my dream job, you know, at least I thought at that point in time, I was very excited about what I did. And, but then I realized, I'm like, wait a second, I can actually unhook my value creation, you know, how I earn my income from how much time I actually spend. And mm. that was just a light bulb went off for me. Not only that, I, it, it was about a month after the sale, I was uh, doing settling some books for the IRS, right? Filing my taxes. And I'm like, wait a second, I have actually been making money every single month. Hadn't been paying any of my bills uh, by doing this house hacking, what they call a house hacking strategy. And anyways, I was like, how many more of these properties can I do? So um, my second deal didn't go nearly as well. You know, that's a, a long story and we can certainly get into it. But, you know, after that deal, I'm like, okay, I figured this out. So I will um, you know, flip in better markets, <laughs> find my kind of like buy box. And, and I started putting a system in place and did several projects on my own. And then also with my uh, husband and, but then we got really good at building equity, but we were really bad at creating cash flow for ourselves. And it wasn't until one day somebody said, you know, why don't you put a renter in one of those properties and have them pay the bills for you? We're like, oh, genius. Cause we had been renters for years. <laughs> why didn't we think of that? Um, then we realized the market that we were in didn't really lend itself. We could get a renter in there, offset the expenses, but we weren't still weren't cash flowing. Mm -hmm. And that's when we decided we needed to start investing outside of our market and building teams and systems there. And, you know, we quickly over the next 12 to 16 months grew to a 36 unit portfolio, eventually purchased a 52 unit building in partnership with others and um, started blowing the doors off of our real estate growth. We were still flipping on the side. And mind you, we're still working full time. And that's when we hit our ceiling of our next level of achievement. Our, our next ceiling is we had the cash flow coming in, we had the equity growth happening, but then we didn't have our time back. And, you know, coming from background in operations, I, I wanted to, you know, work on scaling, but I also had a little baby girl at home. I was taking care of family members, um, aging family members. I'm like, I just want to start, you know, this is the whole reason that we are doing this is to spend time with family. Why wait until we're 60 to do that? Can we start doing some of that now? And so we did make some of those transitions. However, that's when we also started investing in other people's projects um, as opposed to building, continuing to expand our own active portfolio. And that's really where we started blowing the doors off the growth of our portfolio because now we, our time involvement was completely irrelevant. You know, we were investing in other people's projects um, in a private equity or a JV position and growing our wealth without, you know, with very little time involvement. Um, I also uh, transitioned in private equity real estate at this point in time and uh, spent several, a couple years uh, helping grow a company, a new startup company, uh, was the general partner on, you know, 10 deals, uh, raised on over 29 deals. And anyways, that, that's kind of, you know, the through thread on how I got to where I am today is uh, I got to know PassiveInvesting.com as an investor, but also as a partner in one of the um, several properties. And, mm -hmm. and I decided I wanted to step back and start traveling and spending time with my daughter during COVID. Um, you know, that's when the opportunity arose for me to not be in the day-to-day -day action anymore, but more take kind of um, take a... I want to say a backseat, but a side seat, just really helping investors 
understand how they can take advantage of real estate in general, but also build a, build and scale their pa uh, portfolios passively because not everybody should be active in real estate. I do believe everybody should hold real estate, but I think we get too attached to the returns that require an active involvement. And that's not, very few people should actually be in that role. Um, and so I really help people understand how to invest in real estate, you know, how to align that, that investment with their goals, their risks, their timeline, and then get into how to vet operators, markets, and deals. And so I'm very blessed to do that as the director of investor education here at passiveinvesting.com. So did you get your time back? I, I, I have a choice on how I spend my time. <laughs> That's so right. I think everybody thinks, did you get your time back? You know, does that mean like you wake up and you can do whatever you want, whenever you want? I mean, sure. But at the same time, you know, kind of idle hands <laughs> in a way, you know, you, you, you kind of, um, you're not necessarily stepping into your purpose. What it did is it gave me the opportunity to really tap into what lit me up. Um, and do that professionally. Now, do my, do we have to work? Do we, we don't, um, but I would be bored if I didn't. Um, but we certainly do travel a lot. I, you know, have, you know, you know, get to spend, um, put roadblocks in place or block my calendar and spend, you know, a lot of quality time with family and traveling, you know, uh, my daughter's schools from home. I, I don't homeschool her, very different, but she schools from home. So I have mm -hmm. the ability to do that as a mother. Yeah. Yeah. So you created that, you created that space for yourself. And the, yeah, I think it is a misnomer. People say, I got my time back. Okay. Now all right, I got my 40 hours a week back or whatever. What am I going to, I, I got to fill it with something, whether it's going to be, you know, volunteering or doing another business. But the key is you had choice. You had a choice now and you built, you built that from that perspective you built something that works for you and your family yeah i love that idea now you you went you went from putting your toe in the water with your first deal to now how they're actually teaching people and helping people learn how to be investors and working in private equity and you know and done hundreds of millions of you know millions of dollars a deal hundreds of millions of dollars of deals um but look back okay so let's just kind of let's take a journey backwards if you were coaching yourself today or maybe that's what you're doing with your customers what did you learn to uh, that you could share that you would that you learned for yourself that you would tell yourself to do differently right from the beginning? <laughs> um, well, I'm actually in the middle of writing a book um, with bigger pockets uh, over multi generational wealth. I mean, we don't you know the the title is still in development there, but the the concept is multi generational wealth. Now, the reason why I mentioned that is because I wrote that book to speak to my myself 20 years ago. Because um, I, I had to kind of feel my way around uh, with, you know, sound financial education. What are their principles around investing? How do I create wealth, keep my wealth? How do I grow it? And then, you know, more importantly, how do I like put, you know, things in place, systems in place to be able to educate my daughter or, you know, my family members that might benefit from that wealth. Now, so if I'm Speaking to my younger self, I mean, number one is understand how money works and how you actually create wealth. It's not trading time for dollars. Now, certainly you can leverage your income, you know, with sales and commissions. You can be a high tech, um, you know, a high income earner, say in the tech field. Uh, you can be a solopreneur as a, you know, a doctor, engineer. But at some point in time, you're going to hit a ceiling of which you, um, you know, how much time you can spend in order to earn that income. So 
how quickly can you start taking those chips off the table, as I say, and put them into a strategy that will actually help you keep wealth, but also grow it at the same time. So I wish I would have doubled down on real estate much earlier and started taking those chips off the table much earlier and start building those passive income strategies, um, not looking for the big base hit of building a company and then selling it, which I know a lot of people here are, are probably hoping to do. But at, as I'm doing that, how can I ensure that I have other passive income streams that are going to, to help smooth that ride? Um, so making that shift from linear to residual income, I think is important, you know, really understanding the four different ways that, you know, um, four different things that erode our portfolio, um, fees, uh, is the, one of the biggest ones. And that the second largest one is taxes. Now, how can, you know, somebody, you know, reduce fees and reduce taxes. And there's other things that you want to reduce, but, you know, those are, you know, really some, you know, as, you know, we call it the horseman in your portfolio and not the good horseman, <laughs> you know, one of the four <laughs> horsemen. Uh, and then, you know, how do you, how do you grow it? What are those principles that, you know, the Vanderbilts and the Carnegie's, um, you know, the Rothschilds, you know, abided by in order to grow their wealth, especially during rocky and turbulent times. Uh, I, I see many investors uh, you know, focus on returns. And while that returns are important, that really is an indication And you know, anybody can put anything on a piece of paper and say, here's my projection for returns. You know, I, I could do it. Um, but really who is that operator that's running that business that you're investing in, or that is running as the operator on the piece of real estate that you're investing in? You need to know how to not only vet the operator, but understand the operator's strategy in relation to your goals and what you need from your investment portfolio. And these are just these are just some like little bit tidbits that I wish I knew later on or earlier on, and, and probably would have kept me from losing money. I mean, you know, any investor you know will tell you that it's it's you will lose money at some point in time. It's just how quickly do you learn that lesson and put guardrails in place to limit the potential for loss um, in the future years? Yeah, very interesting. I know my dad, who is in residential sales, uh, always told me, if you want to get in real estate, just go buy at that time, $100,000 condo, something not very expensive, and just play with it and learn all the things about real estate. Okay. And I was in the commercial real estate business for 30 years. He says, but all you have to do later on is once you learn that, just add more zeros behind that investment. But it, it was actually a very good tip because you you got to learn. You got you have to get your, you, know, you can read a lot, but you went out there and did a lot, and you learned a lot, and you kind of then you also went back and learned more, right? And then you shifted and molded your strategy to ultimately, you know, doing some private equity groups, some investing in other people's projects, investing out of your home state. So uh, that all came with learning, right? Uh, it's not as uh, as the HGTV shows say, it's not always exactly how it looks on TV. A little bit different. <laughs> oh, definitely not. I mean, <laughs> those are, you know, the fun sides that taps into people's creative side, but, you know, that's not necessarily creating wealth, right? I, I'm, you know, I, for me, I've never, you know, watched Chip and Joanna Gaines, so I have no idea about that show, but the Property Brothers, you know, I, I when I first started getting into real estate, I watched them all the time. But when I started doing living, flipping and flipping myself other homes, I'm like, okay, 
the design is fantastic, but I, you know, if I'm going to put a tenant in this, I don't need all of this in order to generate income. I need to be able to balance the strategy. And so those are the things that, but that doesn't sell well, like you said, on HGTV, right? right. You know, you know, you're, you're getting the, 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 the dream, not necessarily what the reality is of investing in real estate. Yeah. And you use the word strategy. That's really important. No matter what you get into, but if you're going to jump into some real estate, you got to know your strategy, which way you want to go. But you've done some things really well is also you've really grown your career, you've been very successful, been involved in some very big transactions. So what are some decisions that you think you'd made that would really help set you on the right path? Um well, I I think I don't know if this is necessarily a decision, but so much as an understanding is uh I wish I had realized earlier just how much of a business, a relationship business that real estate is. And you know, for me. Uh, you know, growing up, I was very driven and did a, you know, very independent. That was how I was raised. But also at the same time, it was, you know, maybe it's traditional schooling. Maybe it was just my family, like, you know, being an Air Force family, you know, if you want it done, do it yourself. That was kind of the motto. And I wish I had like let go of that earlier from a multiple perspectives. One, being able to build real real estates, you know, um, you know, some people say your net worth is in your network. Kind of. I identify with that. I don't know if that's 100% true, but I wish I had realized that earlier. Um, uh, two it is just, um, you know, realizing that I don't have to do it all myself. It's also the who, not the how. Um, I wish I had brought on uh, team members earlier or even just as a, a virtual assistant into my real estate business into my, you know, uh, financial and real estate coaching firm. I really wish I brought that in sooner. Um, I think that would have allowed me to scale quicker. Um, but sometimes you have to, you know, hire before, before the income's there, which can be a little scary. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, definitely scary. But you know, um, Let's take a commercial break. How's that? And then we'll shift into the second part of the program. So, uh, Whitney, uh, this is your time. Talk about you got a book coming up. Talk about you event. You're looking for investors. You have certain customers you're trying to attract. Uh, please take the time to do whatever you, or say whatever you want to our listeners to help promote your business. Yeah. So there, there's two things here that I would love to bring attention to. Um, one, if you're a an investor that would like to get into passive real estate, be sure to check us check us out at passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com. And um, that's the it's a subpage, a landing page on the passiveinvesting.com website. But that's the only place you can get my passive investing made simple ebook and access to my schedule. And then if you're somebody who's looking for one-on-one -on -one assistance in uh, stabilizing um, your financial situation so you can get be in a position to invest, be sure to check me out at ashwealth.com. Let me ask you a question just specifically. Is, when you're talking about investors, is there a certain uh, level of investment you're looking for? Um, it, you know, depending on the project that we have open, um, you know, the minimum investments might be, you know, 50, 75 or $100,000, depending on the, the portfolio size and the, the asset that we're purchasing. Mm -hmm. um, we will have a Regulation A fund opening here in the next few months, which will give opportunity for people who are not accredited investors to invest alongside of us, um, but also give an opportunity for people who are just 
want to, you know, write a smaller check size too. Okay, good. Uh, just one point of clarification. Um, the word crowdfunding is used a lot. It's actually kind of used over into the in real estate world. Can you decipher between crowdfunding and just real estate investing? Yeah, so crowdfunding is actually a doesn't, you know, it's a registered security with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So um, we don't do crowdfunding, but we do do group investments as a Regulation D or a Regulation A. Now, with Regulation D, which is mostly how we buy our assets, um, think of it this way. You know, I'm the, the general partner. I'm the active part of the business. And, you know, you, Rich, are the limited partner or the passive investor in the business. I'd be like, hey, Rich, you want to go buy an apartment building? You bring, you know, part of the down payment. I will bring all the knowledge, the expertise, the team, and the time in order to get this done. And guess what you get back? We're going we're gonna to split returns the profit and the equity on the business, but you get your time back because I'm going to be taking on all the day-to-day -day operations of that asset. But we are true partners in this asset. Yeah, very good. And I love that, you know, you know, anywhere from, you know, pick up the hammer, put on the belt and go buy real estate to investing in being a partner in limited or limited type investing scenario, or even investing in the stock market through REITs. You can play in a real estate game in a lot of different ways and, and some, some more active than others, some very passive. So I love that you give people an opportunity to, opportunity to do that. And uh, anything else, when's your book coming out? When can, when can we expect it? Yeah, Q quarter, first quarter of next year. So, you know, we're on track for, I think a February release in 2024. Perfect. Well, we'll be looking forward to that as well. Okay, well, let's shift gears. Now, being in real estate, um, real estate is very tied to the market. Okay, you know, it's very, you know, it, it ebbs and flows. Pardon me? I said maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, well, we'll see how you answer this question. Okay. Uh, but it kind of ebbs and flows, not not a, not, not generally a one-on-one, -on -one, but an indirect, sometimes even a poster post effect to the market. But we kind of came through 2008 crisis, which is hard enough by itself. And then we came to this 2022 scenario at post-COVID, okay, which changed the world, changed working environments, changed living environments, changed, you know, all these type of things, throwing some increased interest rates, some inflation, some labor shortage, some supply chain issues, and in the end, just a war in here and there. You got a crazy mix all happening in one year, 2022, and carrying over 2023. You are navigating a company. You're still in the real estate game. Uh, so I'm curious, uh, how do you see today, 2023, and down the road? Is this a time to grow, to expand? Is this time to retreat? Is, this, is there great opportunities out there? You just get harder to find them, or is this time to sell? How are you seeing 2023 as is uh, in the leadership position that you're in? Yeah. So. Uh... So there's two fold things to this, and I'll speak to the economy part second. Um, I think first, you know, seasoned investors realize they invest based on principle, not headlines. And so, um, you know, real estate is very cyclical. Um, I think that was the words that we were struggling to find just a few minutes ago. Um, it does, you know, uh, you know, every asset class in real estate will have its peak and then its trough. 
um, when it's growing, when it's retreating, but usually that's replaced by another asset class. So as we saw, you know, run up in multifamily, it peaks and starts trending down. We're starting to now see a subsequent run up in self-storage and then express car washes, right? There are other things that are cycling right now. So if you ask me the question, is this a good time to invest in real estate? Yes, but it depends on what part of the cycle you want to invest in and in what asset class. So this is really where I love helping investors, first of all, understand their goals, right? Are, are you getting into real estate because you need capital preservation, cash flow, equity, or tax benefits? That's, those are usually the big four or some blend of that. Um, what do you believe in, right? Um, if you don't believe in self-storage, you know, don't go invest in a self-storage project, right? No matter how good the numbers are, right? Because you'll be nervous through the entire hold. And we're talking some of these holds are five, seven, 10 years long, depending on who you invest with. Um, and, and your position generally is not, you can't liquidate it. Now, maybe if you're investing in a REIT, you can, but REITs have their own, they're different than private equity real estate, very different from a tax perspective and a capital gains perspective. And so I think people need to understand that. Um, then past that, I, I help people understand, you know, if you really want to smooth that ride through any ups and downs in the market cycle, look for assets, one that preserve capital, which is one of the reasons why we love real estate. Um, it rarely, it, you know, I can't think of a time that it's gone to zero. I'm sure if you had the building burned down to the ground, you had no insurance and oh, by the way, you built on an old underground oil storage and the ground is a complete loss, right? You know, yes, maybe it could go to zero, okay? <laughs> but generally not, like you're gonna have some safeguards in there to help preserve the, the capital on the asset. You know, make sure that you're investing for cash flow. I know a lot of people, I mean, I hop on the phone with investors all the time. They're like, oh, I don't need the cash flow. I got a great job. Or, you know, retirement is 10, 15, 20 years off. I don't need the cash flow right now. Yes, and the cash flow indicates the stability of the asset today. And if you don't need it, just harvest it, put it, set it aside and save for your next investment. Um, and in that way, you're leaving yourself flexibility at any point in time. If you decide you want to reduce your work hours or step aside or heaven forbid you have an event happen in your life where you have to take some time off, you can consume part of that cash flow. Um, and then invest for equity. You know, um, you know, how is the business plan increasing income on the asset, decreasing expenses, and adding additional streams of income or amenities to the asset? Um, the reason why you want to see those three equity levers being pulled in an asset or in a business plan is because those affect the net operating income in the asset. And when you get into commercial real estate, the value, you have greater control of the value. Also, if you're heading into an environment where the market is stagnating or maybe even declining, if you're able to continue to increase your net operating income, you're still going to make money on the exit, potentially. You have a greater chance of that. Mm -hmm. um, and then tax benefits, that's another huge one. Um, you know, how can you recoup some of your investment in the early years of the hold of the asset through tax benefits and um, reduce your tax bill so you can turn in turn, instead of paying that money to Uncle Sam, continue to reinvest into your investment strategy. 
And so that can really accelerate the time value of money. And those are just four of the seven principles that I really help our investors understand. Um, but you know, uh, I like talking about investing from that way because if you can invest in assets that have multiple pillars, you know, whether the market goes up, down, or sideways, you know, if you're with an amazing operator in an amazing market and that investment has multiple pillars, you're going to be fairly insulated to what's happening in the general market because real estate is so hyper-local. Now, yeah, there's, there's things happening overseas that all makes us all nervous. Um, there's things happening at home that make us nervous, but just because you know, um, you know, something's happening, you know, uh, commercial real estate in the downtown corridor of San Francisco is, you know, extremely challenged right now. Um, and, you know, smaller banks, regional banks are, you know, you know, being gobbled up from some, by our larger, you know, banking partners. It doesn't necessarily, it's not directly translating to what's happening say like in Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. so we just need to, you know, understand, you know, you know, I, I, I think I don't want to tell anybody don't read the headlines and don't have like a macro view of what's happening. But when it comes to your investing, um, you know, how can you invest based on principle and not headlines? Yeah, I love that saying I really do. And, and you're flexible and adaptable. I mean, you know, people say, well, interest rates are going up. And so everything should stop. But that's not true. Okay, the, the, the performance are a little different, or you have to find different opportunities to do that. The real estate is still ongoing investment strategies, but you have to be able to adapt and, and, and adjust. Investing in good, an asset, a, a great a high quality asset with really good debt on it, that that is the play. Whereas, you know, two months or sorry, not two months ago, but two years ago, it was a, a you put decent debt on a high quality asset and reap the cash flow of it, right? You know, mm -hmm. so you have to understand how all these like principles interweave with each other and, um, you know, uh, and, and investing in good leverage is one of those principles. Yeah. I think real estate people are some of the most creative people I know. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> you have to be. You have to be. Absolutely. All right. Now let's shift a bit more personal. I know in your bio, you do, you do some things like uh, run high altitude marathons, but you still have to get up every morning. Your mom, your wife, you're you're a founder of a company. You're 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 active in all sorts of things. You have to get up on Monday morning and lead the charge. So, what kind of things do you do for yourself? I mean, disciplines. Do you have mentors? Are you a, a, an avid reader? What kind of things do you do to keep yourself on course? Yeah. Well, I think. You know, really, it starts at the, you know, our, my husband and I do an annual goal setting retreat as a couple, and we really sit down and define our goals in various areas of life, you know, health, relationships, um, you know, how we want to continue to build our horizontal income, our vertical income, um, you know, and, and there's other things that we focus on, but we build that out, and then we create 90-day sprints in each of those areas. Now, um, I have my sprints, he has his sprints, right? Like, because I, you know, uh, our health, I, we're two different people. Like we have two different ways that we, you know, address our health and how we work on our relationships. Um, so, but, you know, it, it's coming together and forming that vision, then translating it down into like the 90 day sprints to work on that vision throughout the year. And, um, and the reason why I back up there, because every part of my 
cadence, at, you know, in order to get this all done is I, you know, carve out thinking time on a weekly basis, uh, you know, about an hour. Um, and then I um, set aside a couple hours every month um, to kind of lay out the goals for the entire month. And then, you know, once I have all this like laid out, I know it seems like an immense amount of planning and like, you know, I want to be, you know, maybe somebody here is thinking, I want, you know, I, typical entrepreneurs, they want to be more flexible than that and nimble. But I realized that the actual planning allowed me to be more responsive in my environment and more nimble because I was, those things that were super important to me, I had that on my calendar. Like when I wake up in the morning, it's, I'm putting on my oxygen mask. I'm, I'm doing my stretches and my exercises and, you know, eating, you know, really well for myself. I'm going to exercise before, you know, the family is up before I'm opening my email and looking at anybody else's priorities. Um, and, you know, my motto is win the day by 10 o'clock. So I come back and, you know, the mom, I might have to get, you know, the daughter to camp or, you know, you know, do, do the bit of the mom shuffle there, but I still go right into, because it's all planned out there in my planner, you know, handwritten by the way, I mean, <laughs> I like calendars. Don't get me wrong. I like electronics, but I find that I'm far more productive if I don't open the computer. There you right? go right? Like it's all written down. Like I work on my priorities first. I win the day by 10 o'clock. And then, um, I find that, you know, the, the, the first three or four hours of my day go really fast, really hard. And then, you know, um, my, for me, my energy level starts dropping, but that's when I like leave space for, you know, networking and conversations and talking to investors and, um, you know, um, but really it's about focusing, you know, on my goals first. Um, before you know, opening up my time to others. Rika, do you do you utilize mentors? Um, I do. I have. If you don't have a coach, get a coach or a mentor, whatever it might be. Yes. Um, yeah. But and I have. Um, I tried to do kind of a like an all-in-one package with coaching and mentorship, and that didn't really work for me because I found that I my needs were so niched in each space. So I have a running coach for my races. Um, very specific on that. I have um, a, another coach within the same company who helps me on my strength training. Uh, I have a um, I have a business coach as well. Um, I'm also taking uh, comedy classes, and, and I mean, people are like, "Why do that?" Well, it helps <laughs> me be more nimble and think on my feet. Is, it in, is this improv? Um, it's more comedic writing, but a lot okay. of that in the class, we have to think on our feet on like, you know, how we would, um, you know, you know, create like a prompt or something like that. So not exactly improv, you know, that would be my next thing, but I was like, let's start small, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's been great because it's allowed me to, um, you know, really you know, when I'm doing more speaking on stage, you know, you know, think quicker on my feet, um, you know, pull, um, you know, uh, experiences from my life to create, uh, and relate to the audience. Um, mm -hmm. otherwise you, sometimes you're standing up there with a microphone you're like, uh, hold on. There's <laughs> <laughs> this pile on the brain, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's, that's great. I, I love that, you know, kind of tapping in that other side of the brain through, through the comedy side, which is really good. Well, Whitney, you've been a joy to have on the show, and you are a very busy person. I know that uh, from getting to know you and reading about you. Um, 
if people would like to get a hold of you, maybe one of your investors, or maybe just even learn more about maybe getting involved in, in into what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can find me at PassiveInvestingWithWhitney.com. That's the easiest way. And um, there you can get my free ebook, Passive Investing Made Simple, and you can get access to my calendar and we can talk all things passive real estate. And, you know, that's a great place for you to check out, you know, also some of my one-on-one work um, at PassiveInvestingWithWhitney.com and AshWealth.com. Perfect. Perfect. And that information will be in the show notes. The show will be aired in about two to three weeks on all podcast platforms, as well as our YouTube station. Whitney, I just want to say thanks on behalf of all of our listeners. We really, really do appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your time and wisdom for, with all of us. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, I hope you have a great day. You too. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show, include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.